All right, good morning, City Light. Good morning, all right. Hey, before we get started, uh, if you speak Spanish as your heart language, we have the service with Pastor Luis. Maybe he left already. Uh, that's there. And so you can go participate in that and hear the word of God in Spanish. We would love to have you do that. Uh, we're jumping into 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 22. Uh, we're really excited to see what God's going to do today. I have uh, obviously not been here in a couple weeks, and I was like just jumping in my spirit, you know. So this could go a few hours, I'm not sure. We're going to find out, all right. But I just came ready to preach today, all right. So you're just going to get... When you bottle something up for like three weeks, right, that's what you're going to get. It's just going to explode out of there. So I'm super excited to be here with you today. I, I Once again, as the pandemic has continued to teach us that there is so much value in gathering with God's people. Just like God knows what he's doing, and obviously being online in this season is a great way to do that when necessary. God bless you guys. We're thankful that you're here with us as well. Uh, but there's something unique and special about being together. And so let's not take that for granted, and let's thank the Lord that he's given us the opportunity uh, to gather again in ways that are appropriate and safe, and hopefully further into the future can continue to do so uh, one day without restrictions, Lord willing. So we'll see uh, as the Lord leads. If you're new, once again, I want to welcome you. Thank you for being here. Make sure to grab a Connect card after your service. Come up and talk to me. We want to make sure you get connected, that you can be a part of what God is doing in your life here at City Light or whatever it may be. So please, please, please make sure to find somebody. I'll be down front to pray. You can grab a Connect card at the table, but don't leave here without learning more about how you can get plugged in. So today in 2 Timothy 4, we're finishing our series uh, called Fan the Flame throughout the book of 2 Timothy. Next week, we're going to have a specific sermon based off uh, something going on for that day. And then October 18th, we start a series in Habakkuk uh, as we learn what does it look like to have a conversation with God in times of national trouble and difficulty. And so it's so cool to like read through the word and see like, oh wow, this Habakkuk guy way back when is pretty much experiencing the same thing we are right now and he's talking to God about it. So my, wouldn't that be helpful for us uh, today? So that's going to be exciting. I think the Lord has ordained it specifically for this time. And so make sure to look forward to that. But today, the last part of our series, today the sermon is called, You Are Not Alone. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are not alone. You are not alone. From the balcony to the bottom, you are not alone. You are not alone. My prayer has been as I've been reading this passage that the Lord really strengthen you with those words that no matter what your situation may be right now, no matter what difficulties you may be facing, even if you're surrounded by people and families, you can very well feel alone. And the Lord wants to come into your problem, into your situation, into your circumstances, simply to remind you today that you are not alone. That you are not alone. So as we look through the scriptures, let's be encouraged by that today. Let's start in verse 9. So Paul, remember Paul's writing from a dirty, dusty, dingy dungeon, okay? It's a terrible, terrible situation that he's already in. So as he writes all these other things that are happening to him, you need to feel it from that standpoint, all right? Imagine being cold, knowing you're about to die. Every day you feel miserable, you know, physically. I think his spirit was strong, but physically. And then he writes these kind of things. He's writing to Timothy, man, do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. He's gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful for me in ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I have left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. 
and the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. So that through the message, that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. And the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prissa and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth. I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit and grace be with you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you today our eyes fixed on Jesus. Lord, we come before you submitted under your word. We ask that you would speak. But we want to hear from you. Would you use your word to lead us and to guide us, to strengthen us, to bring conviction and repentance. Do whatever you want to do, Lord. We're here for it. We already say yes. We already say yes, Lord. So now you speak, and we are your servants. We will do what you tell us to it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say it with me. Amen. All right. Amen. The whole sermon today, six words, verse 17, but the Lord stood by me. Oh, these are some good six words. These are some good words. I told you I came ready to preach today. These are some good words. These are some good words. The Lord stood by me. But the Lord stood by me. Man, those six words will take you the rest of your life. Those six words, you hear me, are all you need. Those six words will give you enough strength to face any situation. Six words. Six words. God wants to use six words to encourage your heart today. Six words to strengthen you and to help you. Six words to help redeem your past and six words to help you face your future. Six words today. But the Lord stood by me. I want you to have this mental picture in your head as you consider this, this wonderful truth. Uh, the other day, I was taking the boys to a park. This was before all the quarantine happened, all right? So it was before all that, I was at the park. By the way, everybody's good. We're all back. Everybody's fine now. So everybody, praise the Lord, okay? Nothing, nothing happened. Um, and so everybody's safe and good to go. Uh, but I was taking the, the boys to a park, and we were hanging out. So I have three boys. I mean, three boys and four kids. I have three boys, eight, five, and three, okay? The youngest is a girl. She's one. She wasn't there. It was just the boys. So we were there hanging out at the park. There were some other kids there playing, and as normal, they start playing together. So the other kids were a little bit older, not much, maybe like 10, 9, 8, stuff like that. So they're, they're playing, for the most part, hanging with each other. Eventually, at some point, there was this kid now, I'll be honest, last service I called him a jerk. And then my wife texted me, she's like, you probably shouldn't call a kid a jerk, you know? And I was like, that's probably true. Uh, he was not being nice. Let's just put it that way. He was, he was not acting very nice, okay? It was just politically correct. He was not being nice. And uh, eventually, he steps up to my little five-year-old kid who was just, like, sweet. You know, like, he just not, he's not going to make anybody mad, you know? He's just a little sweet. So he's five, and the kid, he's probably seven or eight, steps up to him because he's mad about something that he has, I think. I think he wanted something that he was holding. And this seven-year-old steps up to him and starts talking to him, like, I'm going to blah, 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 you know? And Josiah's like, you know, he's like, he's like five, you know? What's he going to do? But you know who was close to him? My eight-year-old. His name is Jalen. He's not quite as sweet as Josiah, but he's a lot more tough, all right? 
and uh, they all have their good characteristics, right? So this is no joke. The kid's stepping up to him like, yo, why don't mind, you know, just I was like, oh, you know, and Jalen literally walks up and just, boom, just pushes him down. <laughs> he was like, what, you know? He was like, you ain't, no, 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 you ain't talking to him like that. That's my brother. I was like, that's right, man. You get him. You get him. Push him down. Yeah. Beat him up. Punch him. Yeah, no, no. I didn't say all that. But that was one of those times where you're like, you're just proud. You're like, I ain't going to tell you not. You know not to push people normally, but that was a good situation. You picked the right time to push somebody. Don't let anybody talk like that to your brothers. You, you live the rest of your life with that motto and that theme, right? So uh, that's what, and he's always like that. And I just think the Lord has ordained it to be that our oldest is the most fearless and the toughest kid in the bunch, uh, and which is a problem sometimes. I remember when he was like five and he would go to the Chick-fil-A play place. There'd be like a 10-year-old in there who shouldn't be in there. And the kid would be bothering him and he'd start stepping up to that kid. I'm like, you got, I'm glad you're fearless. You're going to get beat up though. He's 10, like he's <laughs> twice your size. So, you know, the people who are fearless are generally the ones who uh, learn life lessons by, by enduring some of those things. So uh, anyways, he just got it in him. And I want you to have that picture in your mind, right, as people or life circumstances or difficulties challenge you and step up to you, that someone tougher, stronger, who defends you is right by you. That's the point. And, you know, sometimes he pushes them over right away. Sometimes he doesn't. The Lord has his ways for what he does things. But he's right there. The Lord stands by you. Somebody stronger than your circumstances. Somebody tougher than your challenges. Somebody who's bigger than your problems stands by you. And he is, the scripture tells you, your defender. Your shield. Proverbs 18 says, or 28, says the righteous, the, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous man runs into it and is safe. A strong tower. So God, just like Jalen, is beside you. When anything tries to step to you, you have a defender. This is what Paul's saying when he says, the Lord stood by me. Though I was challenged, though I was abandoned, the Lord stood by me. Let me give you something to write down as we think about your future. This is so important. This sentence was like, this is what y'all need, okay? The next season of your life is not determined by those who abandoned you, but by the God who is with you. <laughs> that's it. Remember, preach it. Say it again counts too. That's like preach it, all right? That's like, so you get all those acceptable phrases. The next season of your life, write this down, put it in your head, is not determined by those who abandoned you or the circumstances that destroyed you or the things that happened to you, but by the God who is with you. This is what it means to say the Lord stood by me. The Lord stood by me. And because he was faithful in the past, I can bet he'll be faithful in the future. And so now I face my future looking back to God's faithfulness in the past, and I get strong. This is how we face our future. To face the future, we must remember God's faithfulness in the past. And as I look ahead at the things that may be difficult ahead, the assignments ahead, the challenges ahead, the problems ahead, all of that, I do so by remembering God's faithfulness in the past. And y'all, many of y'all already have this testimony. This is the testimony of God's people throughout the scriptures. This is the testimony of your life if you have trusted and followed Jesus. Y'all know this. Some of you say, man, my mom or my dad may have left me, but the Lord stood by me. Right? Some of y'all say, man, I had a spouse betray me, but the Lord stood by me. I had a best friend leave me, but the Lord stood by me. Man, I was rejected time and time again for this or that. People looked down on me, but the Lord stood by me. You know? 
I was standing at the graveside, but the Lord stood by me. This is the testimony of your life if you have trusted in Jesus. Think upon it and say, man, I may have lost everything, but I remember the Lord stood by me. Maybe I was in a pandemic. Maybe once I was facing all this injustice. Maybe once I was concerned about all the hate surrounding me and the culture I live in. But in the midst of all the madness, in the midst of 2020, the Lord stood by me. This is the testimony of the scriptures. This is the testimony of your life. I want you to go ahead and testify to somebody next to you. Say, the Lord stood by me. The Lord stood by me. Say it like you're preaching, all right? The Lord stood by me. The Lord stood by me. This is the story of God's people. These six words, whatever happened, whatever problem, whatever difficulty, whatever abandonment, whatever struggle, but the Lord stood by me. This is what you need. This is the truth of your life. If you've been with Jesus, you already know. I'm here today to remind you and to bring that back up to your remembrance to say, man, I may face some difficulty ahead, but I faced difficulty in the past. The Lord stood by me. The Lord stands by you. The Lord stands by you. This is the testimony of the scriptures too. Exodus 33, 14. God's telling Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Joshua 1, 5. God tells Joshua, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Matthew 1, 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Listen, the name that was given to Jesus represents the truth that God is with you. The whole reason Jesus came was to solidify this truth that God loves you and is with you and wants to stand by you. This is the testimony of why Jesus came. And get this, not only when he came, but when he left. Matthew 28, 20, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It is not I am with you sometimes. I am with you when you're being good. I am with you when you act like a nice Christian. I am with you when your circumstances are good. No, always, always, he says I am with you always. Hebrews 13, 5, he has said I will never leave you or forsake you. Come on, do you believe this? We read stuff like that and we're like, oh, no, never, 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 never. God says never. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never will I change my mind about you. Never will I make a promise that I don't keep. Never. When God says I am with you, he means I am with you. And I will stand by you. Later on in Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Meaning, not only is it the Lord stood by me, but it's the Lord stands by me and the Lord will stand by me. Why? Because he's the same. You may change, your circumstances may change, the people in your life may change, but God doesn't change. So you can hold on to this truth to say the Lord stood by me. That's not just good news back then. It's good news now because the same God that was true then, the same God that's true now. The Lord stands by me and the Lord stands by me now. That's true and that's good. It's the same God that will be there later. And the Lord will stand by me. It's the testimony of my life that no matter what situation I'm in or what circumstances I face or who leaves me or who comes into my life, one thing remains the same as Jesus. The Lord stands by me, but the Lord stood by me, but the Lord stood by me, but the Lord stood by me. 
I want you to say it with me, right? We're going to say, the Lord stood by me, the Lord stands with me, the Lord will stand with me. Y'all ready? We're going to testify together, right? One, two, three. The Lord stood by me, the Lord stands by me, and the Lord will stand by me. Sometimes you just got to say things out loud to believe them, you know. Right? Whenever the election gets figured out and however that works out, you know what will still be true no matter what? The Lord will still stand by you. Whoever thinks they're making decisions in the world around us, hey, you know what's true really? The Lord stands by you. Whatever circumstances you may face, whatever things you wish wouldn't happen, whatever outcomes may happen, well, the truth, the truth, the truth is that no matter what, the Lord stands by you. You got to hold on to this. This is life. This is strength. This is your help. This is when the scriptures come alive. They give you food. They give you sustenance. They give you life. The Lord wants to stand by you. So we say, that's really good, Nate. That's good news. But to what end? Like, what happens when the Lord stands by me? What should I expect? How is that manifest? What does it mean for God to stand by me? Well, it means a lot of things. But in this passage, it seems to mean two particular things. Things for you to write down. It is the presence of God that fills us with peace. And it's the presence of God that fulfills our purpose. So when the Lord stands by me, I can expect at minimum two things, obviously many more, but we're sticking to the passage at hand. When the Lord stands by me, I can expect two things. I can expect to be filled with peace, and I can expect to fulfill my purpose because the Lord is with me. So let's look at the first one, peace. When he remembers, when Paul, look at this, he remembers being betrayed. So he's like, Demas, one of my boys, he left me, and then Alexander the coppersmith hates me. And then he looks back on those people. Imagine the situation, like you have, a, you're fighting against the whole world, right? Everybody hates Paul except for like five people, okay? And he's going to every city and just fighting and fighting. And you have some people with you that are your, your boys, you're rolling together. And they're fighting with you. And then all of a sudden one of them's like, nope, not anymore, I'm out. And then not, to add on top of that, the people in the world around you just grow their strength. Alexander the coppersmith comes from Acts 19. There's this big riot against, against Paul, and all these crazy things are happening. So imagine the situation that Paul's in where he's like, my, so my best people left me. The whole world is against me. I experienced particular harm from Alexander. Now I'm sitting in a prison. I'm cold, and I'm ready and waiting to die, all because of these suckers. And then he says this, may it not be charged against them. Now, that sounds familiar to me. I don't know if it sounds familiar to you. Jesus said that. Right? Remember on the cross? Beaten, crucified, mocked, scorned. Jesus looks out at everybody and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Well, that's some powerful stuff right there. I don't know if you've even tasted or experienced that deep level of forgiveness to say, man, these people really messed with me. And I have no bitterness in my heart towards them. As a matter of fact, I'm asking the judge to let them go. That's wild. He doesn't say God judge them for what they have done, which is an appropriate thing to say sometimes. The scriptures are full of that. But what does he say right now? No, may it not be charged against them. They left me and abandoned me when I needed them the most. God, don't charge it against them. They hurt me physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, relationally. Don't charge it against them. How? How in the world do you get to that point? 
How does somebody live like that? How does that get manifest in your life for real, for real, where you can actually feel that and say, no matter what that person has done to me, may it not be charged against them? How? How does a person get to that point? It's this. When he looks back at his story, there are two things that happen. One is that people have abandoned him. The other thing is the Lord stood by him. Which story is Paul telling himself? Which one is he focusing on? What's Paul remembering the most? What's he thinking about the most? The fact that the Lord stood by him. That's center at his story. That's center in his mind. Say, I look back, these are all true things. People abandoned me and all of that. What's also true is the Lord stood by me. And so I'm going to take that, that the Lord was with me. It's going to fill me with peace and purpose and satisfaction. And because I'm so filled with the presence of the Lord and with the peace, and when I look back on my story, I remember God's goodness, that now I can release everybody else and forgive them. Because when I look in the past, I see God's goodness. I see his presence. I see his faithfulness. And I'm so amazed by that that I'm free. So when you look back, what are you focusing on? That's the question for you. What are you looking back at? When you look at your trials and your struggles and the people in your life and your hurts and your experiences, what are you looking at? Are you looking at what they did to you or are you looking at what God did for you? Because if you look at what God did for you, you'll be freed to forgive them for what they did to you. Supernatural forgiveness. Supernatural. It's not something you can will up. It's not something you can force. It's not something you can read a book about. There's no one, two, three steps to it. It comes directly from the Holy Spirit to those who have been forgiven by Jesus and who are satisfied with his presence. We now find the freedom to release everything else. So because the Lord stood by him in his most troublesome moment, God, Paul is filled with peace. Because he is filled with peace and satisfaction in the Lord, he's releasing everything else, and now he can forgive. It's incredible. It's incredible. The power of the Lord is so significant here. A quick question for you is who do you need to forgive in your life? Who do you need to forgive? When you look back at your past, who do you need to forgive? What can you remember about what God did for you that can release you to forgive people for what they did to you? Right? Not to minimize it, not to say it didn't hurt, not to say it wasn't terrible. Of course it was all those things. But to say that God is bigger and better. So now I release. I release. Who do you need to forgive? Now look at this. It's so interesting. I've never read Timothy quite like this before because in chapter, verse 9, he says, Demas was in love with the present world and he left me. Now, uh, Colossians 4, Paul calls Demas his fellow co-worker. So Demas was like one of his dudes, you know, inner circle. Demas had rolled with him. You know, it, you can't think about this like, oh, he went to church a few times and quit. <laughs> no, it's not. There's no like cultural Christianity. It was not, right? He's rolling with Paul. They're getting beat. They're getting ridiculed. They're getting kicked out of cities. They're getting threatened every day. Demas is doing that with him. That's no joke. You know what kind of bond you form when you suffer with somebody? What kind of bond you form when you have one purpose together? What kind of bond you form when you go through all these things? Him and Demas were tight. And Demas had to at least seem to really love the Lord. He, see, he was ready to fight all these things. And eventually one day it became too much for him. The suffering was too much. The pain was too much. The struggle was too much. It was too much. And so he quit. I just tried to imagine that conversation, you know, with Paul. Be like, Paul, I don't, I don't, this ain't worth it anymore. I'm out. I'm going to leave you alone. He was probably like, I love you, bro, but this ain't for me. Nope. Gets on a boat. 
goes back to Thessalonica. Paul sends a couple of his other guys away so they can minister somewhere else. And he says, all I got left is Luke, which was great. At least he had somebody. But imagine Demas. So Paul's rolling with Demas. Demas seemed really legit. Demas falls in love with the world and walks away. And now Paul's writing to Timothy. Look at this. Another fellow co-worker. And he's got Demas in his mind. So that's why he writes Timothy the way he does. Look at it. As you just go through the book, right? Chapter 1, Timothy, come on, brother. You have to get ready to endure suffering. And I know he's got to be thinking, man, Demas just left for this very reason. So Timothy, my fellow co-worker, don't abandon the faith. You got to be ready. You're going to suffer. I don't know if somebody told you life would be easy if you followed Jesus. I don't know if somebody told you life would be easy if you followed Jesus. Then all of a sudden it wasn't, and you thought about jumping ship. Well, I'm here to tell you today that life will be easy later in heaven, but it's not going to be easy now. And Jesus says to take up your cross and follow him. That's what it means to follow Jesus. So he's telling Timothy, man, brother, get ready to fight, man. You have to endure suffering. Chapter 2, he says, man, remember Jesus. Remember him. He was risen from the dead. Remember him. This is what we're doing, right? This is what we're after. This is why we're here. Timothy, it's not about how comfortable you feel. It's not about how successful you feel. It's about the fact that Jesus is alive, and this is our message to the world. Remember Jesus. Chapter 3, he says, at the end of chapter 2, he says, Timothy, be holy. Remember, Timothy, you got to fight the desires of the world. What did he just see? He just saw Demas fall in love with the world and destroy his life. So he's looking at Timothy and saying, brother, you got to love God. And kind of love holiness. You gotta be like Jesus. And then chapter three comes around. He said, All these false teachers, brother, they're gonna be coming at you. They're gonna be telling you, man, life could be better. It could be easier. You do it a different way. You don't have to be like this. You don't have to go this way. No, Timothy, don't believe them. Trust in the Lord. Acknowledge his ways. The Lord knows what he's doing. Follow him. At the end of chapter three, he says, Man, you gotta trust the word of God. Be equipped by the word of God. The word of God is what will do the work in your life. The word of God is the message that we preach. The word of God is what's gonna sustain you in ministry. The word of God's gonna encourage you when you're downcast. The word of God's gonna give you conviction when you're hard-hearted. The Word of God is your ministry centerpiece. It's the Word of God, Timothy. You have to stay focused on the Word of God. Right, and then you come to chapter 4 and he says, Timothy, preach the Word. Don't give up on the Word of God. And then at the end of, at the middle of chapter 4, he says, listen, I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. And now there's a crown laid up for me that I will soon receive. And then he says, you know what, Timothy, Demas who is probably a lot like you, he just left me because he loved the world. So this is why I'm writing to you. And I don't know, maybe some of you in this room are Demas right now, where you're just on the edge, you know, it's just like following Jesus hasn't turned out what you thought it would be, it's not as great as you thought it would be. Right now it hasn't delivered on what people promised you in terms of a great easy life, whatever, comfort, all those different things, you've encountered burdens and struggles and difficulties, and yes, the Lord has been with you, but you just... You're just not sure, man, is this, is this worth it anymore? You know? Like, do I really want to do this anymore? And maybe some of you are thinking that right now. And what I want to encourage you with today, I just felt the Lord was telling me to tell you to stay the course. That eternity is long, time, the, the earth is short, your time here is short, to stay the course. 
that Jesus is worth it, his word is true. Jesus is risen from the dead. Live and die for that message. Life will be tough. Following Jesus doesn't make life easy, but it does provide everything you need, and one day Jesus will bring you with him forever into a place called heaven, which will be easy and wonderful and perfect. But right now, Jesus wants you to endure the course, to stay the course, to fight the fight, to not give up, to not, 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 not. Don't be a demons. Stay the course, stay the course. So think about that for Paul. Think of... I just read Timothy different now. I feel like he's writing to Timothy so Timothy doesn't become Demas. That's what I feel like is the main thing going on now. And so when you reread Timothy, think about it that way. But let me show you another way he fills it with peace. Back to that point. Look at this. So in chapter 4, verse 6, he's like, my departure has come. So Paul knows. He knows this ain't going to work out. And he's not going to have a nice death, you know. And uh, this ain't going to work out. It's going to be bloody. It's not going to be good. So he knows that. Verse 6. Look in verse 18, though. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me, safe me into, bring, me, bring me safely into his kingdom. Look at that. What kind of peace does a person receive that enables them to look at an execution and call it a deliverance? What? He's looking at his future, which is way worse than any of y'all that you know of, right, your future, right? This is, he knows I'm about to get executed. They're going to chop my head off. That's his reality. He looks at that, and he looks at that, and you know what he says? The Lord will rescue me and deliver me and bring me, get that word, safely into his kingdom. Paul's not an idiot. He didn't think like all of a sudden he wouldn't get his head chopped off. That's not what he means. He means my head will get chopped off, and the Lord will safely bring me into the kingdom. Like what kind of person is that? You look at an execution, you call it deliverance. Man, only the presence of the Lord can do that. Come on now, you got to look at your future and all the struggles and the things you may look at that they may be, but you know the Lord will be with you, so what people call an execution, you can call deliverance. Right? What looks like a troublesome situation seems like it might be filled with the presence of God. What looks like a problem seems like it might be what fulfilled my purpose. What looks like I'll be alone, I know I won't be alone. God said he'll be with me. I can look ahead at something and be realistic about it and not pretend like nothing bad is happening. And I can look at it. I can name it. I can know the Lord will be with me so I can take it. I can be there for it. I can look forward. I can be so filled with peace that I can face my future. Come on, now don't y'all want that? This is what I want, to look at that, not pretend, not act like life isn't hard, not act like that's not troublesome, but to look at it and say, man, the Lord will be with me. So what you call an execution, I call deliverance. Why? Because God will rescue me. Man, that kind of peace. That's what it means to be filled with peace. You understand? When the Bible talks about peace, that's what it means. Not like, oh, I feel good right now. No, none of that, like... Life is not so bad, you know, everything, you know, everything, just, I feel at peace. No, not like, huh, peace. No. No, get that out of your mind. You know, the peace of the Lord is, I'm going to die, yet I'm going to live. Amen. That's the kind of peace that God wants to give you. When God stands by you, that's what he delivers to you. You hear me? Okay, the, the second thing as we close the presence of God will fill uh, you with peace, and the presence of God will fulfill your purpose. Look at this. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Two very important words, so that. Look at that. So that through me the message might be fully proclaimed. So that. Write this down. The presence of God grants the power of God to fulfill the purpose of God to proclaim the gospel of God. The presence of God 
Why does the presence of God come? Why does God stand by, stand by you? Why does he manifest his power and his presence and his purpose in your life? Why does he do that? Why? To grant you the power of God so you can fulfill the purpose of God, which is to proclaim the gospel of God. There's a so that to his presence for you. And you know what? There's a so that to every trouble you've faced. There's a so that to every trial. There's a so that to every abandonment. There's a so that to every loss. There's a so that to everything that's gone on. There's a so that. And because when God comes, he says, this happened to you so that you might fulfill the purpose I have for you. Oh, this is good. You were abandoned and dismayed, but I came to you so that in that situation, the gospel would be revealed, right? You experienced loss. I showed up so that the comfort you received, you would give to somebody else. That happened to you, and I was with you so that you would deliver that to someone else. When you received the peace of God in trouble, that happened so that you would deliver the peace of God to someone else. So that the message that you receive that gives you life would become a message that gives others life. So that, so that, so that. But here's the trick for us. So many of us want the presence without the purpose. This is when we have problems. We want the presence without the purpose. We want the comfort without the call. Right? We want the feelings without following. But there's a so that. There's a so that. When God shows up, there's a so that. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 1.4. God comforts us in our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves have received from God. So I'm in trouble. I receive comfort. That's amazing. So that when I get a chance, I deliver comfort to someone else. Right? When I'm in trouble and I receive peace, it's not just for me, so that I have strength to proclaim the gospel in the midst of trouble. Right? When, I'm, when the presence of God shows up in my life to help me, there's a so that attached to it, that I may go help someone else. So that. And because there's a so that attached to what God's doing in your life, there's a so that attached to every trouble you've ever faced. Because in the midst of your trouble and trials, God has still been with you. That's the point. You look back and you say, trouble stood by me, but the Lord stood by me. I'm going to take the Lord so that I may turn that trouble into a triumph over here for the gospel. This is the testimony of your life. You see, it doesn't minimize the damage. It doesn't minimize the difficulty. It doesn't minimize the hardship. We're not pretending like that doesn't suck. But we're saying the Lord stood by me. That's bigger, that's better, that's stronger. And he did it so that I might not be paralyzed, but I could fulfill my purpose. You see, the Lord wants to give you strength to help you to fulfill your purpose, to not be paralyzed by what happened to you, to face your future because of God's faithfulness in the past. This is the message. The Lord stood by me, but the Lord stood by me. These six words, I'm telling you, are all you need. These six words are all you need. Listen to me. It's not the problems of your past, hear me, but the presence of God that defines the future of your purpose. Do you hear me? It's not the problems of your past. No, no, no. It's the presence of God that will define the future of your purpose. And so many of you have been letting the problems of your past be a bigger story than the presence of God in your life. And you're letting the problems of your past 
the real and difficult, the real abandonment, all that, you're letting those define your future. When Paul says, no, it's not the problems of my past, I actually have released that, I have forgiven them. It's the presence of God that defines my future. And it's the presence of God that gives me hope today. To both forgive, because I'm filled with peace, and to be excited to walk in my purpose, because I'm not paralyzed anymore. But the Lord stood by me. Now, for those of you who are here, I want you to know, this is not a feel-good message for everyone, that if you are not a follower of Jesus, the message is the opposite. You know what the Bible calls people that don't follow Jesus, it calls them enemies of God. As a matter of fact, instead of God standing with you, the Bible says he stands against you. This is the truth of the scriptures, guys. And if you're a true follower of Christ, take that promise. God stands by you, yes and amen. But if not, I want you to know that right now, because of your sin, God is against you. But this is why Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life, one you can never live. He died on the cross for your sins. He was raised from the dead. And he said, if anybody would believe in me, that person would have eternal life, would become part of the family of God. And at that point, he says, my spirit will dwell with you as a sign and a seal of my presence. That God does not have to be against you. He wants to stand with you. But it requires you repenting from your sin and trusting and following him. So some of you need to do that today, to follow the call of Jesus on your life and to receive the promise that the Lord stands by you as well. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you. We honor you. Man, we love your word, Lord. It's just so life-giving. You've been giving me life every day, Lord, just thinking about those six words. But the Lord stood by me. I think about my whole past, you know. Lord, you just are always there. You're always faithful. Every word of God proves true, the scripture says. So, Lord, we ask now that you would minister to your people that are hearing this, that you would minister to your people that are despairing, that you would minister to those in the room that are encountering great difficulty, that are enchained to the past, Lord. We pray for deliverance. We pray for hope. We pray for help. We pray that those words, the Lord stood by me, God, would change us and would strengthen us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, so for the next... Uh, a little bit. I uh, really want us to leave some time to respond to the Lord. Uh, and so we're going to make this a little bit longer than normal. But really, just don't play Christian stuff, okay? Like, respond to the Lord. So if you're in the yes and amen right now, and you're just like, the Lord stood by me, I want to stand up and praise, you do that, amen. If you need to get on your knees and ask for help, repent, I don't know, do that. But we got to respond to the Lord. And something like this requires so much time to let it sit. So respond to the Lord, pray, sing, pray, repent, whatever it might be. I'll be down front if you need prayer. In a little bit we'll take communion, but let's take these next 10 minutes or so and really let the Lord speak into our life.